welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. So we've been in a series called In My Feelings. Can everybody say it together? In My Feelings. So the feelings that we have and the expressions that we have are all things that are God-given. So any emotion that we're feeling is from God that he's given us as a way to respond to the things that we face within our lives. But so many feelings have been given negative connotations, have been looked at poorly, um, or as if there's something wrong with us if we have too many feelings or express those feelings too often. But how we respond to them. God has given us a way to do that. God has given us this ability to turn to him with every emotion that we have because although he's given us each of those emotions, how we respond to them is what matters. That it can do one of two things. It can either bring you closer to God or pull you farther away from God. And last week we talked about that as far as sorrow, feeling sorrow and this pain that you might experience throughout our lives, but to not allow ourselves to get to a point of despair, of hopelessness, because we still have hope in God. And although we might be feeling sadness, that we can lean on him and he comforts us in the middle of it. And even though we might still experience and feel that pain in the moment, he loves us and he cares for us and he experiences that pain there and with us. And today we're going to continue this discussion. And I'm going to be in 1 Samuel a little bit uh, before we get to the verses. Just to let you know, uh, if you got your Bible, 1 Samuel 17, Um, if you don't, we'll... There's a Bible app that's free. Uh, if you know me, you know I like free stuff. So you just look up version, and it's an awesome free Bible app there. Um, and we utilize that here as a church family to stay connected. Uh, but the thing about God's word is it is the Holy Spirit, God-inspired word that he used man to write. But it's not a rule book to tell you what you have to do so that you can earn the love of God. It cannot be earned. No one is perfect, not even one. We all fall short. This is a love story about the God of the universe who cared so much that he created us to spend eternity with us. But he gave us free will to make our own decisions. And because of that, sin entered into the world, a separation between us and God. And he fought back to get us. And it culminates with him sending his son, Jesus, for us. And now we get to have a direct relationship with God. We get to go to him, have conversations, lean on him, and know that we can enter into his presence in any moment at any time. Man, that's so good, right? So 1 Samuel 17, I'm going to start in verse 4. It says, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. Goliath. Everybody knows about Goliath, right? And it says he had a height of six cubits and a span. Like, what is a cubit? Six cubits. Like, can somebody use some regular English, please? He was over nine foot tall. Remember Andre the Giant? Anybody ever used to watch wrestling? I don't watch wrestling anymore. I hear it's still cool. Um, But back in the day, Hulk Hogan? Anybody? Or maybe the next generation, The Rock. And so we were like, yeah, I don't even know that because you're too young. I don't know who the new wrestlers are. So someone might have to educate me later. But anytime I read these verses, I think of Andre the Giant. And even in real life, he was only like maybe seven foot underneath that. But could you imagine nine feet tall? So the next time someone's like, how much is six cubits? I don't even understand. You're like, it's over nine feet. You get to have that knowledge to share with some people. Nine feet tall. Like, imagine that. 
Stand next to somebody nine feet tall. I think about Shaq, who's like seven, six. Another foot and a half taller than that dude. Intimidating, right? And here's this warrior coming to the battle line because the Israelites and the Philistines were in conflict. And one group was on one hill and one on the other. And then they went down into this valley so that they could have a battle. And they just kept lining up across from one another. And they had this giant named Goliath who would come out. And he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing five thousand shekels I don't know what a shekel is but that sounds like a lot of them (laughs) translation about 125 pounds like I thought you said you didn't know I didn't I researched it we got a friend called Google anybody else no you still use Yahoo MSN Google cool 125 pounds And on his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. The point of the rod was 15 pounds. 15 pounds. A while back, and it's been a long time, I went to the gym and started doing some curls and thought, I better just start with 15 pounds. And, you know, I got like 15 of them done and I was done for, you know. You weightlifters out there doing like those 50-pound ones, you know, good for you. (laughs) But this was on the end of his rod that he's just carrying around slinging at people, like 15 pounds just at the tip. All right, I'm going to keep going or I'll be here forever. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not a servant of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight me and kill me, he will come to your, we will come to your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will come, become our subjects and serve us. It's like, hey, send out your best guy. Let's battle. You know, uh, this is what Troy stole from that battle scene. You know what I'm talking about? Brad Pitt? No? It's a good movie. But this is a true story. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Woo! He's like, send somebody out here and let's do it. Let's see who wins, him or me. And let the victory be declared through that. And on hearing this, the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were scared. There was a fear and trembling that took over them. So if you're taking notes with us today, the title of this message is, Be Afraid. Tell your neighbor, Be Afraid. Tell your other neighbor, are you afraid yet? I didn't think I was supposed to be afraid. Be afraid. Would you pray with me? Uh, God, I thank you that you are in this space. We thank you that you go before us. And we pray that, Holy Spirit, you would speak in this moment. Help me get out of the way. Whatever it is you have for us, let us encounter you. To hear your word and to respond to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody ever rode the, the giant drop? at Great America? How many of you are like, yep, I have? How many of you looked at it and got scared and then didn't do it? And how many of you were just like, yeah, no way. It wasn't even a thought in my mind. It was never going to happen. We went to a theme park down in Tennessee Tennessee that had a similar ride. And one day there was no line at all. And Matthew at the time, I think it was like seven years old. I'm like, hey, man, you want to go on that with me? Like the giant drop, like let's just do it. 
what do you say? And he's like, uh, Dad, I don't know. I don't, think, I don't think so. No. I was like, okay, well, you guys wait here, and I'm just going to go do it. And I went, wrote it by myself, and I came down just screaming like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm a thrill seeker. But now once I got to the bottom, I'm like, hey, babe, I'm going to ride it again. Okay, you know when you, when you go up against a giant and you win, sometimes you just want to keep doing it because you feel real good. You're like that was easier than I thought and it was exhilarating. And then Matthew's like, hey, dad, can I come with you? I was like, oh, let's do it. Let's do this thing. So then we ride it down together. He's holding my hand. We're both screaming. We're pumped. We get down to the bottom. He goes to his mom. He's like, hey, mom, you want to ride it with me? And she, she had the courage to do it. Melissa's not in here today, but she had the courage and she went and did it. Oh, man, I wish I brought the video. I didn't want to embarrass her too much. She thought she was going to die. She got to the bottom. She was crying. <laughs> I got a photo of her face just like cry face. And Matthew just the biggest smile next to her like, <laughs> oh, man, it was hilarious. But she went up against the giant, this fear that she had because her son invited her in to do it and invited her to come and be a part of it. Now that's a, a ride at a theme park and, you know, they do a lot of testing and there might not be a lot to be afraid of, but certain things can cause us this feeling of fear. And it's a very real feeling, a very real emotion. Um, and those giants might not be the giant drop, but it might be stepping into a new job, stepping away from a friendship or relationship that you feel like was unhealthy and, and you just have a fear to step away from it. Like, how, how can I do that and separate myself? It might be this giant of stepping out and doing something new, going back to school or deciding to go to college and make this big step within your life. And there's these giants, these big giants that can cause us to have this bit of fear. And I always tell my boys, I'm like, hey, it's not bad to be afraid because being Brave means you might feel that fear, but you do it anyway. You're going to fight anyway. You're going to go at it anyway. You're going to have the courage to do something different, as scary as it might be. And with any fear that we have, it typically starts with anxiety, this anxiousness. In our culture right now, Anxiety is higher than it's ever been in human history. This anxiousness that plagues our souls, that makes us feel this uneasiness, like we can't catch a breath. Some of you started feeling anxious just then when I sat there quietly and you felt very awkward. But anxiety, this anxiousness, this feeling is actually something that does come from God. I got a definition I want to read for you. So in the Bible, anxiety is used two ways, as a healthy concern or as an anxious worry. Healthy concern, anxious worry. See, we're so used to it being an anxious worry that we let something overwhelm our thoughts and we play out every possible scenario except for the good one. And it just weighs on our heads and weighs on our heads and weighs on our heads. But there's another biblical definition that is a healthy concern. See, each of these biblical references utilizes one Greek word. Merimano. Everybody say that with me. Merimano. Thank you. 
We all said it the same way, so it must be the right way to say it. And it means to take thought of, to be careful, to have care, to be anxious or to be troubled with cares. So a healthy concern or an anxious worry. And it's very important to understand the two because anxiousness comes as a way for us to respond to something that's not quite right or might be different than what we're used to. So it's a caution. It's this concern to have. But how we respond to it is what gives us this level of saying, okay, that's something i got to be concerned with and respond in the proper way. Or Man, now I'm just filled with worry. I'm anxious. Can't think. Can't sleep. I was up all night, woke up at 2 a.m. and started thinking about all kinds of crazy stuff. Tried counting some sheep, and that didn't work. And then somehow there were some black sheep in there, too. And I tried to keep the difference between the white and the black, and it was just craziness. No? Maybe that's just how my crazy mind works sometimes. So God has given us an emotion of anxiousness. You're like, oh, that just sounds weird because of the negative connotation that has been there. But if you think of it in the truest form, in God's desired form of saying, no, there's a caution here. Something's different. Let me be cautious about this. It's like when you go and you turn right and there's that yield. You know, it's not the stop sign, it's triangle, the yield. Some of you are like, yeah, I just think that's a green light. Others are like, no, that's a stop sign. And others of you are like, yeah, I got behind that person who said it was a stop sign. Are you kidding me? And you start getting anxious. But it's like, let, let me be cautious. Let me slow down for a minute. Let me observe my environment. And how can I respond to this in a godly way? And a great example is this moment as Goliath is sitting there and he is calling out the Israelites saying, hey, send somebody out to fight me. And this shepherd boy named David shows up. His dad had given him all this food. He said, hey, take this to the front lines. And he had three older brothers that were there fighting or I guess just hanging out and cooking s'mores because everyone was afraid. So he rolls up and he's like, hey, he leaves his cart with some other dude. Like, can you watch my stuff, please? I hope you paid him well because I don't know if it stayed there. But then he goes up to his brothers and he's like, hey, like, What's going on? Can you let me know? Starts asking him questions. And as he asks him these questions, Goliath comes out and starts taunting him again like, hey, who wants some? Bring it out. Come fight me. Winner takes all. And he's like, why is this happening? And as he comes out and he says it, this is all in the Bible, by the way. I'm just paraphrasing it. But in 1 Samuel 17, 24, it says, whenever the Israelites saw the man, meaning Goliath, they all fled from him in great fear. David's out there, he's talking to his brothers, seeing what's going on, and then this dude comes out and challenges him again, and boom, everyone's in fear. Because in this world, the enemy will tell you to be afraid, to have fear and trepidation. Because when we allow anxiousness to lead into an unhealthy space, we can be overwhelmed by fear that is debilitating. So this giant comes at them and they feel this anxiousness. And instead of saying, all right, let me have a caution. Let's come up with a game plan. They're like, no, I'm so afraid. I'm just going to coil over and I'm ready to hide. I'm not going out there. Makes sense. Like nine foot tall, higher than that. 125 pounds on him, 
spear, at least 15 pounds. And he's calling him out. See, within our own lives, though, these same giants keep popping up in our face. We feel afraid by the same giants again and again, like, oh, my boss came and I had this idea, but I just wasn't willing to share it because, you know, they just looked down on me. Next time, same thing. Or maybe they steal your ideas and you're allowing this anxiousness to build up and create a fear that won't even allow you to address it because you're like, hey, I just can't do that. These giants within our lives, maybe that giant that we're facing too is addiction. That thing that you felt like you beat, but he just went off of the front lines and then it came back and it's hitting you again. Like, oh, this will be the last time. This will be my last drink. But you feel like the same giant is coming at you and coming at you and the voice of this giant is getting louder and louder and that's all that you can hear and it causes you to coil back in fear, to give in to that fear, that anxiety that is gripping your heart and taking your breath, stealing your joy and just pushing you down. The same way that all of these Israelites were experiencing as Goliath would step forward. Then it continues that David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? David's not afraid. He's like, hey, what do I get? That's what he's thinking. That's what I'm assuming. I mean, he says here, like, what does the winner get? But he's not in fear in that moment. He's asking some more questions. Like on that giant drop, like, okay, how tall do I have to be? Is there a buckle and a thing coming over? Like, there's some healthy caution. So we might need to ask some questions. So in your life, instead of allowing a giant to just hit you and now you feel the worldly form of anxiousness pulling you back and you're gripped with a worldly fear, allow yourself to say, no, I'm going to be cautious about this and I'm going to ask some questions. An exercise I like to do when something hits me in life that I wasn't expecting or something that kind of catches you off guard and you're kind of nervous about having to do, saying, all right, let my mind go to the worst place, and if that happened, am I okay? And a lot of times that helps me right there. Some of you are like, yeah, my mind is pretty messed up. That's cool. Mine too. See, but when you have a relationship with Jesus and you trust in who God is, wherever that place is, it's kind of what Paul wrote. It's like, whether I live or I die, I'm cool because if I die, I get to go in heaven with Jesus. But if I live, I still get to share about Jesus. So either way, I'm good. See, a relationship with Jesus can transform our hearts. A belief and trust in God can change everything and how we perceive the things that we're up against. But we need to ask questions when there's a caution. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Don't ask how he knew that. Sorry. That's how I read the Bible. <laughs> that he should defy the armies of the living God. 
And they repeated to him what they had been saying and told them, this is what will be done for the man who kills them. They had been talking about it because if you were to go in and slay Goliath, you get to marry one of Saul's daughters. So like top prospect. And now you're royalty and wealthy and you don't have to pay taxes anymore. So he's like, wait, wait, wait. Let me just, let me make sure I'm hearing this right. If I go and defeat him, what do I get? Pretty lucrative. Anyone ever make those pros and cons lists? Anyone ever saw that in Friends? I watch all the shows, okay? Old school, 90s. But it's reflecting, he's reflecting in that moment. Sometimes when you're being cautious and you're asking yourself those questions, you need to Make that list like, all right, God, where are you calling me to? And what is the outcome either way? I love the tenacity of David because he's just like this young kid showing up. His brothers, super annoyed. Do you want to know how I know that? I'm going to keep reading. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Like, hey, man, know your role. You are a shepherd. You're supposed to bring me a Big Mac and leave. Why are you complaining? What's going on here? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Don't you hate it when people assume your heart? Now what have I done, said David. Doesn't that sound like a sibling rivalry? Now what? Can I even speak? Can I say anything? Even those that we love the most might tell us to be afraid. Those we look up to, those we care about, that might tell you that you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. They try to gauge your heart and who you are. And then it hurts because you feel so misunderstood because you have a desire just to fulfill the purpose God has for your life. Sometimes the giants we face are very close to us and are those we love the deepest. real and in that moment as David is reflecting on this giant and he's got his brother question him asking why are you even here I just I could imagine the feelings he's having but then I think of this confident dude who's walking in there like man they're calling him conceited you, you ever seen someone, you're like, man, that person's just so cocky. That was me before I knew Jesus. I know it. I'll own that. Like, I was a punk. So people told me. But when I stepped into a relationship with Jesus, that changed because I was no longer walking in my own strength and how awesome I thought that I was or what I was really doing was trying to hide the hurt inside. But when I found redemption and freedom through Jesus, that salvation, I started walking with this confidence. 
this God confidence that looked a little different. That no matter what giant I was facing, I was okay because I knew about my God who was so big. So David, as he's sitting there and he's having a conversation and his brother's getting mad at him, that doesn't deter him of the slightest. And as they're having this conversation, word got back to Saul, who was the king. About this guy asking all these questions about what it takes to beat Goliath and what they could gain if they did it. So Saul's like, oh, bring him over here. Let me holler at him for a minute. Let me see. Let me put him in his place. And as he went and approached him, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your, your servant will go and fight him. So now he's in front of the king. He's like, uh-oh, I got my chance. I'm in front of the big boss. He's got the daughter. I might get to marry in a minute. So he's like, hey, I got you. I'm going to take care of this guy for you. The youngest brother. I'm like, this dude probably weighs as much as the armor of Goliath. Don't worry, Saul. I got you. I'm going to go and I'm going to take Goliath out for you. I got this. And Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. Saul's telling him, hey, be afraid. You can't do it. I always love the phrase, like, don't meet your idols, you know, because they'll always let you down. But I'm thankful, like, in, in a community of followers of Christ, there's people that I've had the pleasure of meeting, and ultimately Jesus, who changed everything, like, man, Jesus, if I have to put anybody up there, it's him. And he is who he says he is. But here's David who meets the king, and the king is like, yeah, you can't do that. You're not good enough. There's nothing worse than looking up to someone who tells you you're not good enough, who clearly looks down on you, how that can mess with your heart. Man, I had this confidence. I felt so good about this battle I was about to go into, but they said, no, you can't do that. You can't apply for that job. You're not qualified. She is way out of your league. I wasn't looking at anyone specific. But when people that you value and care about and look up to tell you that you're not good enough, how that can impact you. That fear that you might feel because of it, like, all right, I felt really certain about it before, but now, not so much. Your giant is way too big. You should quit. Here's the thing about God. He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for available people. Here's the thing about God. He looks at the least of these and says, I'm going to use you. Jesus went and started using fishermen and tax collectors, the people that society discounted and said, you're not good enough. He said, no, I'm going to use you. God's in the business of doing the miraculous through the least expected people. And as Saul tells him, you can't do it. You're not good enough. You're too little. You're too young. Here's how David responds. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up. But say, David said to Saul, 
your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. It's like, yeah, I've been a shepherd. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. Struck it and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. He said, yeah, you're telling me I need to be afraid. You're telling me I'm not good enough, but you don't know about my God. You don't know about what my God has saved me from before. You don't know what he's equipped me for before. You don't know the battles that I fought and I've seen victory and I can declare it right now because my God is a good God. He's not focused on what everyone's telling him, telling him to be afraid. He's like, no, the only fear I have is the fear of God. So when I tell you to be afraid, yes, be afraid because the fear of God is fear in its perfect form. The definition of a biblical fear is an awe and reverence of God. So when the world will tell you to be afraid and try to push you down and tell you that you're not good enough, you can look up and say, no, I have an awe and reverence of my Father in heaven. That's the only space that I have any kind of fear, but that kind of fear gives me confidence to fight any battle. And the battle that I'm in the middle of right now, I'm looking on past battles and saying, hey, he saved me then, so he'll save me now. And guess what? You might feel like you've been defeated. You're here. You're still breathing. There's still hope. There is still hope. But it's having this healthy fear. of the Lord. Psalms 86, David wrote this. He said, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. David saw the Lord. He said, God, help me have a fear of you and nothing else. That as I have fear, it is an awe and reverence of who God is so that whatever battle I'm in, whatever I'm facing, whatever giant might be in front of me, I'm all good because I've got a big God. That's where my hope lies. That's where my confidence comes from. That's where my strength is found. And his son Solomon in Proverbs 1.7 said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The beginning of knowledge is this fear of the Lord. So when the world tells you that knowledge is power, but you look at a worldly knowledge to tell you of what you should be afraid of and where you should stop short and the giants you should just run away from, That's not that biblical knowledge. That's not that awe and reverence of who God is. It's saying, no, do you know about my God? Do you know about the battles that I've been in the middle of that he has saved me from? You know about that bear that came at me, that lion that came at me, and guess what? I'm still standing. I didn't didn't come into a relationship with Jesus until I was 22 years old. Before that, I pursued all the wrong things. 
every day was, hey, where do we eat at? That was my driving force. Every Friday and Saturday, where's the party at? How are we going to get some alcohol? Even before I was old enough, like, who can get it for us? Like, that's what I was driven by. And this giant I was facing was called depression, guilt, shame. And I thought I was in control, but really I was just being defeated by a giant that is called addiction day after day after day. And I felt so hollow and I felt so isolated and alone and I was living in darkness and ready to just give it all up. But then I had an encounter with the living God. I met Jesus who changed and transformed my life. I met someone who said, yeah, whatever giant you're up against, that's okay because there is no one bigger than who I am. And battle after battle, I've seen victory. Not because of my own strength, but because of his. And what's possible through him. See, and as David, he approaches this battlefield. He doesn't even wear any armor. Saul tries to give him his armor. He's like, no, I don't need that. I got my sling and my stones. The tools that God has given you to fight the battles and the giants you're up against might look different than you would think. But he can do the miraculous with just a little bit. Just a little bit of faith. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. He didn't even have a sword and he's telling him I'm about to slay you with it. The weapon God has for you, you might not even have in your hand yet. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. He said, do you know my God? I don't care how big you are. I'm riding with somebody bigger. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line. He's like, yeah, I'm not afraid. I'm not like, you know, when people try to fight you, like, come on, man. They're not even going to swing. He's like, no, I'm running at him with the boldness and the confidence. He was not afraid because he had faith. So he went straight at him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. The battles you're up against, the giants that you're facing, don't let fear pull you back. Allow your faith in a God who has victory over anything. Be the one who can propel you forward and run right into it with confidence, a God confidence to know that he will sustain you. Wait a second, he said he was about to cut his head off. Well, guess what he did? He walked up to him. He took the sword of Goliath. 
came and slayed that, that giant. That giant that everyone was afraid of. The moment that he spoke, everyone just cowered back and he said, no, because I serve a big God. Such a beautiful representation of who Jesus was because here Jesus came and they said, oh, what good can come from Nazareth? Jesus, who came fully man but was fully God but made himself low to serve us, to love us, to care for us so that we could have salvation through him. And he faced this giant called death. And the enemy who thought that he could take him out puts him on trial where ultimately he's nailed to a cross where he would die for our sins. And in that moment when that giant thought he had victory, three days later, Jesus rose again. He beat death, hell, and the grave. And now through him, we can all have salvation. There is no giant too big for our God. It requires some faith. And there might be moments where you feel a little anxious, but that's okay because you need to just move forward with some caution. Don't allow it to spiral you out of control. And when you start to feel that bit of fear, don't let it hold you back. Say, no, I'm going to focus on the fear I have of God, this awe and reverence of who he is. And guess what he brought me through? And I'm still standing. I'm still here. So through those victories, I'm believing him for the victories to come. And if you're in this space today, maybe you've never made that decision or you don't even know what that looks like. What does that even mean? What does it mean to have a relationship with God? What does it mean to take that first step to beat that giant that is the enemy that has been pulling you back so that you can have salvation for your soul? God's word says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. There's no class you got to take. There's no certain set of of steps and criteria you have to meet in order to have salvation in Christ. It's a matter of believing that Jesus came and died for you and that he rose again. And then it's responding to it. And we never close out a service without giving the opportunity for someone to say yes and step into a relationship with Jesus. So in this space, I would ask, would everyone bow your heads and close your eyes? This is a safe space here. And I'm going to count to three in a moment. And when I get to three, if that's you in this space, you say, yes, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. When I get to three, I just ask that you would shoot your hand in the air. One, you need to know that Jesus, he came and he died for you. Two, any giant that you're facing, he will stand side by side with you and you can have victory in Jesus. And three, if that's you, would you shoot your hand in the air today? Would you raise it high? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else out there today, anyone else said, yes, I would love to make Jesus my personal Lord and Savior. You can just raise your hand high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
You can go ahead and put them down. God, we thank you so much for those right now who just made that decision to say yes to a relationship with you. We thank you for how good you are, how much you love us and care for us, and the fact that you meet us in the middle of our brokenness. Lord, we are sorry for where we fall short. We are sorry for our mistakes, but we thank you that you see our sin as far as the east is from the west. And Lord, we praise you for the victory that we have in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.